This week on Out of the Air features the power couple in the Chicago art scene, Dr. Yanina Gomez and Sergio Gomez, founders of Art Next Level that guides artists how to build a productive art practice. Next, we have Marla Schofer, who curates artists from remote regions of the globe. Our spotlight is on the Depot Gallery and Museum's 5x5 exhibit, plus a preview of the 2023 exhibit season. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Larry and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart, express yourself to art, and show the world your heart. Welcome. You're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Radio, 89.1 FM and WVLP 103.1 FM. Our weekly program covering the arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. I'm Larry Breckner of New Perspectives Photography, right alongside here with Esther Golden of The Nest in Michigan City. Aloha, everyone. We're your hosts for Art on the Air. Art on the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant through South Shore Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Art on the Air is heard Friday at 11 a.m. and Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP 103.1 FM, streaming at WVLP.org, and every Sunday at 7 p.m. on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, also streaming live at LakeshorePublicRadio.org, and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Radio. Information about Art on the Air is available on our website, breck.com AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our shows are available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for more information about upcoming shows and interviews. Art in the Air is now available on WDSO 88.3 FM Chesterton on Tuesdays at 4 p.m. And we'd like to welcome back to Art in the Air Spotlight, Susie Vance. And uh, she's going to be representing the Depot, which is, of course, in Beverly Shores, just off of uh, Route 12 there. And we're going to talk about their 2023 season of everything going on. Uh, Susie just stepped down as kind of the curator, but, of course, she's still very much involved with it. And it's I'm the president. <laughs> she's the president. So there we go. Susie, welcome. I got rid of one of my jobs. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back to Art in the Air Spotlight. And let's talk about what's going on there. Well, what's going on is an amazing season, both in the depot and in the gallery, and they are collaborating, which is nothing short of sensational. We, of course, have our first uh, first item, which is we wel- we celebrate the veterans in May, and then in May as well, we have our largest fundraiser of the year, which is the Five by Five, where artists donate artwork that is five inches by five inches, and people buy tickets online and then rush in to claim their artwork on the 12th of May this year. It sounds so much fun. I know I've contributed a couple things in the past there for that. It's it's just such an event, and it's like a real happening there at the depot. Even just the fact of going in, but everyone kind of, you know, breaking out from the, the winter doldrums. Exactly. We're coming out. (laughs) And then in June, we have um, the uh, quilts. We have the National Museum of Mexican 
uh, art that is coming in with the assistant curator is bringing quilt makers with her. There, we're having an exhibit of storytelling quilts in the gallery. And in the depot, we're going to honor the women who made the quilts about Beverly Shores, which is really something. And then, or in July, we're having architecture. In the museum, there will be uh, items that show you what architecture there is in the city of Beverly Shores. And we actually have 11 landmark buildings, in addition to which we have many other people who live in houses created by famous architects. And in the museum, we are having artists who have created artwork around in any medium. It can be even in one of those little things that people, that kids play with. We told them they could even do that with <laughs> logos. It, it's just it, Legos. It's really fun. And then in um, August, we are having Sharon Hoogstraten, who is a Potawatomi, and she is celebrating the uh, dancing with the tribes, the Potawatomi in the new millennium. We're hoping to have um, uh, Indian dancers. We're going to just have quite a time. And in the, um, in the museum, we're going to have early settlers and American na or, or area Native Americans. And then in September, we're having Gone But Not Forgotten too, which is the houses not on the lakeshore, but everywhere else in Beverly Shores that were taken by eminent domain. And a show by Chris Cassidy, who is very inspired and doing lots of fabulous photography. And then, of course, we move into our holiday season with our holiday show and sale that'll be in the month of December. Wow, that's quite a year, Susie. <laughs> and I haven't even mentioned the film festival that we are uh, are heading up, which is in collaboration with the Memorial Opera House. That's happening on the 10th of August. On the 11th of August will be that opening that I talked about with Sharon Hoogstraten. There is a collaboration with the Michigan City Library where she will be giving a lecture and we will finish August out with uh, Social Cue Barbecue, which we're having on the 19th of August in the parking lot in Beverly Shores. So, so nice. It's just going to be a very exciting year. I can't wait. And so what anything you're doing uh, with your art personally, uh, you know, being out there and everything? I mean, now that you're not uh, directly curating, still president of the organization. But, uh, yeah, tell us about some of the things Susie's doing. Well, I am I my have forsaken my fiber art oh, no. for podcasting, for video <laughs> podcasting. If you want to know about that, you can go to Creative Creating from the Heart the Artistry of Living or just type in Susie Vance, either one of those will do on YouTube and you'll see once a week I drop an interview with someone who has found an amazing life and an amazing way to be creative in their work. So <laughs> That's great. Can you tell us a little bit, and we hope to get her on, uh, Meg, who's your new uh, curator the there. Curator, she's yeah. fabulous. She was the head of the Museum and Art Gallery at Aurora University and retired and was 
trying to find a place in northwest Indiana because one of her daughters lives here in Valparaiso. And lo and behold, she stumbled on Beverly Shore. She was looking for a place that had, was in the trees, in the woods, as she says. And she found it, which is absolutely blessing for us. That's fantastic. She found a curator. That's great. Well, with less than a minute left, just give us a quick recap on the close upcoming events. Though the close ones are the five by five, which happens on uh, May 12th. And you buy your tickets online at bsdepot.com. And then you take the little, you take it and present it on the day. And then you get a sticker. And at five o'clock, the doors open. And you hope you're the first to be able to put your sticker on an item. And nobody gets to see the items before five o'clock. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming in. Are there? That's Susie Vance, the president of the depot in Beverly Shores, and that's a 525 South Broadway, just off of 12 there. Thank you so much for coming in. Art on the Air Spotlight. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Art on the Air Spotlight and the full one-hour Art on the Air program on Lakeshore Public Radio is brought to you by Macaulay Real Estate in Valparaiso, Olga Patrician, Senior Broker. And as a reminder, if you'd like to have your event on Art in the Air Spotlight or have a longer feature interview, email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com. You're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Radio, 89.1 FM, and on WVLP, 103.1 FM. Art in the Air is now available on WDSO 88.3 FM Chesterton on Tuesdays at 4 p.m. We are pleased to welcome Dr. Yanina Gomez and Sergio Gomez to Art on the Air. Dr. Yanina is an author and speaker. She has a PhD in psychology and has trained in the internal family system model. She helps artists boost self-confidence and overcome self-sabotage. Yanina is also the author of several books, Moms Don't Quit, How to Influence, Empower, and stay connected with your tween and teen in a noisy world and crush self-sabotage and live fully the artist's wellness journey to confidence and success. She's also married to Sergio. Sergio is the owner of 33 Contemporary Gallery, curator for the Xiaobi Art Center in Chicago and founder of SergioGomezCurates.net. As an artist, Sergio has exhibited internationally in galleries and museums. He uses his social media mastery to promote, sell, and advance his art and curatorial projects. Sergio and Dr. Yanina are the founders of Art Next Level Academy. Thank you both for joining us on Art on the Air. Aloha and welcome. It's so good to see you. It's so good to be here. Thank you so much for having us. We are super excited. Super happy to be here. Thank you, Esther. Thank you, Larry, for your chat. We are so glad to have you. Well, Yanina, we're going to start out with your origin story as much as you'd like to share um, beyond the, the biography. So tell us about your origin, how you got from where you were to where you are now. Huh, that's a very interesting question. I um, uh, I was born in Puerto Rico. Uh, so over 30 years ago, my family moved to Illinois. And so we've been in this area uh, for over 30 years. And uh, I went to, I uh, had my bachelor's degree. Um, and then I went on to um, doing my master's degree and then my doctorate degree. Um, we yeah, we have, so you and I have been married for almost 26 years, and we have two children. Yeah. And so where did you, where did you two converge? How did you meet? We met at Governor State University when we both were completing our master's. 
Uh, so he's uh, one of say, his masters. He completed completed a governor's state, and that's where we went. So it was very interesting because uh, the art department is or was on the other side of uh, one side of the university and the psychology department was completely on the opposite direction <laughs> of the university. But we both um, were involved in a leadership club at the university yeah. and that's where we met. Yeah. Uh, very good. Like, so it, how worlds collide is so interesting. Yeah, it, it was very interesting. If it was not for that club at the university, we probably would have not met. Right. right. Yeah. Well, Sergio, we want to hear your origin story, uh, how you got from where you were to where you are now. Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Mexico, Mexico City, which, you know, is a big city. And, uh, you know, if you had asked me back then, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I thought I wanted to be an architect uh, because I didn't think that you could actually make a living as an artist. <laughs> you know, I didn't meet, you know, I didn't meet a living artist uh until I came to the United States, which happened in 1888. Of course, I saw a lot of art in Mexico and museums and Diego Rivera, you know, all the muralists, but I never actually met one, you know, who said, you know, I'm an artist. So uh, I came, fast forward, came here in 1988, went to high school. My high school teacher said, hey, have you considered to follow an art career? And like, oh, can you do that? <laughs> He's like, yeah, why don't you go to community college? So I went to uh, Joliet Junior College took every art class that they had in their curriculum. Then I realized, oh, I guess I, guess I must keep going. So went to uh, the School of the Institute of Chicago. Uh, then I transferred to Governor State uh, where I finished my BA and then did an MA and then went to uh, Northern Illinois where I uh, received my MFA. So I kind of like one thing led to another, mm -hmm. trying to discover this uh, life in art and uh, that's kind of how it all happened. So we graduated from uh, from master's program. And of course, the question is like, what are you going to do with an art degree? It's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> right? so, yeah, I, it's still I a big question. Like, <laughs> I guess that's why I kept postponing my graduation, right? <laughs> so that the question when it comes. So after that, uh, because I've always also loved technology and design, I work uh, right away out of, out of school uh, as a, a graphic designer. And then at the same time, you know, started looking for a space to have a studio and to open a galaxy. I've always loved the idea of uh, not only making the art, but also behind the scenes of how art kind of moves in the world. And that kind of, um, you know, led to opening the gallery and then the studio and then becoming a curator and uh, then eventually working with artists, you know, as well. So kind of one thing just led to the next. <laughs> and I have a fun fact. When we married again, almost 26 years yeah. ago, uh, right away, we told each other like, Eventually, we don't know how this is going to happen, how this is going to manifest or, or how this is going to look like. But eventually, uh, we are going to end up working together. Yeah, so we would like to work together. We would like said, to, yeah, yeah we, will, we would like to work together. And, and we, uh, back then, we were like, okay, a psychologist and an artist, how in the world they're going to be working together? And little did we know that that was the first sign of the Art Next Level Academy. Yeah, exactly. Where we, both found it. So, it's called yeah. manifesting yeah. in its ultimate <laughs> right. beauty. Yeah. It was in a advance. very interesting fact. Right. <laughs> well, Yanina, you're an author and uh, you have an experience in that. So tell us a little bit about your authorship. I know that's not directly art related, but I mean, how that kind of oh. melded into that. But tell us all about you know your books and your background and doing that. 
Oh, yes. My first book is titled Moms Don't Quit, as Esther shared in the intro. And this is a book for, actually, even though it's, it's titled Moms Don't Quit, it's a book for parents, uh, for children, preteens and teens, which um, the reason why I decided to write a book for parents of preteens and teens is because, as we all know, it's a very difficult developmental stage in our children's life. And the changes and the stressors that go into being a preteen and teen, we all feel it in the family. And um, there were not that many resources available for parents uh, of children that age. And I felt compelled and a strong desire. And and I was very excited about writing a book. Um, I worked before uh, doing what I'm doing now. I practice as a psychologist. And I for many years, I worked for school districts. So I work in the school system. So I was able to work with younger children, um, and including preteens and teens and their parents. So to me, it was very important as a psychologist to provide parents with the tools they need to raise healthy uh, children. Um, so I did that quite a lot and wish from that experience that I have with all those parents that I work with and our own, my own personal experience with our children, I was able to um, write the book Moms Don't Quit. Um, Except I want to talk about Moms Don't Quit for a minute. Okay, you know, sure. I think like you have it for um, like tweens to teens, but as I read it, I really think it's a val- it's valuable no matter what age mm-hmm. your children mm-hmm. are, even if yeah. they are adults. You know, yes. there's like yes. such valuable advice in that thank book. You. So, thank no, you. thank you. Yeah. And it's also I also encourage younger parents or parents of younger children to read that book so they can get those tools and strategies that they need they can prepare beforehand uh because we're always thinking oh you know my child's only five or six i i still have time but the truth is that time flies by so quickly you know that on on a blink of an eye your child goes from five to 15. so it's a good book for parents to prepare themselves of what is going to be ahead uh so i i recommend it for any parent who have any children younger than 18. i know it's such it's really such great practical advice so many times these advice books will say a big statement but don't give you any way to follow through with that big statement and this is just like very easy to follow Thank you. And the way I write books, my writing style is that I imagine my reader with me in a coffee shop that we're talking, we're having a conversation. So, you know, when you talk to a friend, uh, it, you know, it's, it's casual. It's like, uh, you know, we're just talking about life and things like that. I'm not going to be using all these technical words to talk to a friend, uh, which is uh, what I have found to be um, more effective when it comes to teaching strategies to anyone to improve their lives in one way or another. So yeah, and and, and that book, I also it also comes with a um, in a reflection journey, a downloadable that parents can download and complete as they are reading the book. Because I believe that in order for a book to make a difference, you don't just read it; you have to take action. You have to do something about it for for changes to happen. And with that downloadable uh, in a reflection exercises that I put together, they are designed to help my reader 
to understand what's going on, to reflect on what's happening at home and what's happening in their, within themselves, what's going on in their inner world that, it's, that is manifesting in the way they, they raise their children or the way they, they, they interpret their children. So uh, it is intended to help and guide the reader through a journey of change. So that's uh, Moms Don't Quit. And the second one, the second book that I co-wrote, actually that one I wrote it with Sergio, um, the lead author, but uh, Sergio is the author of the book Crush, Self-Sabotage, and Live Fully. That's our, the, new, the newest book. It just came out yeah, uh, last year, uh, The Artist Wellness Journey to Confidence and Success. And this is specifically written for artists. Uh, for creatives. And the difference with this one is that the inner reflections exercises are part of the book. It's not a downloadable. Uh, we make sure that each chapter has a section that is specifically for all these inner ex uh, reflection exercises for the reader to apply uh, the things that they have learned and create change in their life. So yeah, that's we wrote a it deeper dive, right? Yes, that's what you said, yes. the deeper dive. So that book, uh, it's a, it was a fun project. Um, um, each chapter is divided in three different sections. The first one is the teachings that I provide. The second part is Sergio's take. And basically that, that section is Sergio, um, after he read what I wrote, he's like, okay, as a creative, this is how I interpret it and how I use it. And then the diving deeper section, which is the third part, is the reader's part. And that's the one that uh, I provide different exercises for the reader to, again, take action so change can happen. Yeah, it's very comprehensive. I love that, that Sergio, um, it's like real life, real time experiences. And that's so valuable rather than like something obscure. Yeah, and that was the idea, you know, so to kind of bring the conversation home to the artist studio and say, how does this relate to me as an artist? How do I, you know, go from one day working working in the studio and feeling great the next day doubting myself is this right i have Will struggles like too it? <laughs> <laughs> it, it happens to us even sometimes within the next hour right we love it then we hate it so you know kind of dealing with that and, and helping artists realize that those voices those notions uh it's not means that something is wrong with you you know mm -hmm. just how do we work along with that and make the best uh, out of our time. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, one of the questions before we move on to, you know, we bounce off of what you did with the book and, you know, your project in helping artists. Tell us a little bit about your art yourself, you know, how, you know, your origin in terms of what your style is, what you do, mediums you work in. Just, you know, we want to explore that before we get into helping artists. <laughs> <laughs> right. So really quickly, yeah, my art is uh, I work on acrylic uh, on paper. I love paper. Paper usually is an adhere to canvas, large scale. Think of my paintings as the size of a door. And inside the, each door, there's a, there's a figure. And my figures are uh, in an abstract manner. You will see the uh, figure as a shadow or as an aura, energy light. Or it, that's how people may describe it. And uh, my work is inspired by the cycles of life from birth to death and or, or spiritual awareness throughout those cycles. And this kind of began 25 years ago or so, and then amplified when my son was born uh, 21 years ago, and kind of like seeing that, you know, life can begin to take shape and then understanding the, the cycles on, on in nature, you know, uh, 
I grew up in Mexico City, and Mexico City is pretty much beautiful weather year-round. But when I came here to Chicago for the first time <laughs> in my life, I was 16, and I saw winter, you know, summer, <laughs> and, you know, everything, snow and boiling temperature. Fell right? to so, winter. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, so this is what, <laughs> what the other part of the world lives on. So that's kind of uh, what inspired me. This, there are these cycles in life that we go through, and then also as human beings, uh, what each cycle means. So I have kind of dedicated my artistic production to that. And along those ways, also sometimes delving into other uh, issues that are happening right now, for example, immigration, the Mexico-US border. I've done a series on that as well, you know, uh, the suffering from that. So, you know, it, that's kind of They're how very. My... They were very powerful. I saw them. They're Thank you. Yeah. Very strong. Thank, Thank you. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the next thing is that how you started getting into not only creating art, but helping artists. I know over the years, it's kind of been just watching it, a development that's developed into the podcast and you do these other you know, little short bits too, but tell us what motivated you. Obviously you wanted to help artists because you had the struggles yourself and then mm-hmm. how that developed into much more formally into the uh, art next level. Yeah. I love yeah, breakfast so, with Sergio. Yeah, <laughs> with Sergio. Exactly. Right. So it all started pretty much, uh, you know, graduating from school. And, uh, I've always loved education. Dr. Inashi has always loved education too. We believe in the, the value of education. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, invested a lot of my time also in higher education but i always felt that you know when i was in higher education for as much as i loved it you know i had to follow a curriculum right i had to teach what i was taught to to teach and there was a huge gap you know also between what you learn in art school and then the real world right the things that you learn the hard way making mistakes and doing things so you know the more the more we talk about this like well i think uh you know, there's this huge gap where we can help artists because we are passionate about education. Eventually, I teach, I, I uh, quit my um, tenure job of teaching and kind of, uh, you know, dedicate my life fully to the art and endeavor. Um, and through also because working with, as a gallery director and curator, working with so many artists and many who also came as uh, artists who had questions like, hey, Sergio, how do I get in? How do I do this? Or the world is changing. Or in fact, many artists who, you know, were at some point successful, then the world changed. Social media came around, mm-hmm. the gallery changed, the gallery closed. So how do I market my art? So there was this whole gap of information where we felt that, uh, you know, we were good at explaining and talking. People seem to enjoy when we talk about those things. So. Why not? You know, so we started sharing and then they from there like, oh, wait, why don't we do a podcast? And the <laughs> podcast came and then uh, why, why don't we do one on one sessions? And then how do we help more artists? And then we launched the online academy, the Art Next Level, both of us. And uh, then one morning I was like, well, I don't have a whole lot of time and I want video is hot, so I should do more videos. And like, well, I, I always have breakfast. I always enjoy breakfast. I'm going to start recording breakfast with Sergio. So that's how that started. Uh, so always kind of things to start finding an opportunity and um, and try to be honest and trying to help be helpful. I think mm-hmm. that's the, the main focus that we have. Yeah, we yeah and you show it in your own artwork too because you did the augmented reality with your work. Yes, so you're always pushing yourself. and <laughs> Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, we saw that the not only the business need uh, uh, in artists, but then it was interesting that once artists, uh, before the Art Next Level Academy, once they found out what I do for a living, so <laughs> then there will be many, especially during our opening nights in the gallery, there will be many artists that will come to me with their emotional You had your wellness. corner, see the psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Charlie Brown. Like Charlie Brown. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, like, but, um, but, you know, and throughout the years, and this is still when I was just practicing uh, throughout the years, I, not, I noticed a pattern of questions, a pattern of issues that are quite similar among creatives. So when we were talking about the academy, when we were talking about, because it came to a point in my career that I wanted to do something different, uh, that I got a little bit um, burned out. And it was a time that I said, you know, um, I think I want to practice psychology in a non-traditional way. We just mm -hmm. didn't know what that non-traditional way was until we uh, one one year he was like, oh, oh, we just he was like, just you know, just quit and we will figure it out. And we did, and and that's kind of like when we start seeing those those emotional needs among artists, and I started to see the patterns. That's when we were when we were talking about the Art Next Level Academy. We were like, okay, this is what we can do. We can provide uh, support for those artists who want to make a business out of their art and also provide mindset and emotional wellness support and you know things be escalated to the point that we wrote that the book crush self-sabotage and live fully yeah, yeah. and so. we, we see the art career you know has expanded you know how everything starts in the mind mm -hmm. and the work that you do in the studio your creative it's a wholeness practice. approach yeah your creative mm -hmm. practice and then your business aspect mm -hmm. you start from within and what is happening within you is it was manifest in in the art form whatever art form you choose so that's why we found that there is a strong link between what is happening in your inner world with what you project in your art um, the message, uh, the values, the, the the emotions that you project in your art, and sometimes it, uh, it and and oftentimes artists get stuck and they don't know why. And oftentimes it has to do with okay, uh, the lack of exploring what is going on, that inner dialogue that is happening, what's going on with those inner parts that it might not be that might be conflicting with with what you want to create as an artist. So yeah, it has been quite a journey and it has been amazing. I know it's such a beautiful, not only you have a, obviously a beautiful marriage, but a very beautiful marriage of talents and sensibilities. And I'm so grateful that there was that meeting, <laughs> you know, the, yes. that <laughs> club. <laughs> yes, exactly. And without giving away any things from your uh, art next level, but uh, you know, I guess the scariest part for an artist, and I know coming from a theater background, you know, for someone being an actor, is actually making the choice to do that, you know. So right. you might have all this inner thing going, but now in the external world, how do I actually make a living doing this? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that's one of the biggest things, and particularly because the world is changing and it's changing fast. Things that used to work three years, five years ago, maybe no longer work today. Mm -hmm. The moment you're learning how to do a long video, now you gotta do short videos, right? right. So the, the artist today has to be, you know, at the cusp of, of how things change in the world in order to succeed, in order to be also at the forefront. Mm -hmm. And we have to catch that current wave. Yes, exactly. yeah. Exactly. And, and, and just as a couple tips, how do you do, catch that current wave? Just you know, with, uh, you know, just a real brief thing. So Art next level. Of, first, well. yeah, <laughs> first, yeah, first becoming aware that the world is changing 
and being adaptable. I think that's one of the biggest things right now. As an artist, you have to be adaptable. You cannot be fall in love with procedures that used to work because the world is changing. It's not going to go back to the good old days. So, you know, become adaptable. Uh, become part of a community, which is super important right now don't as be, well. Yeah, don't be alone. Yeah, don't, don't be alone. alone. Be yeah. part of our community, our community or other communities. You know, just get along with other artists. Very important and uh, stay informed of how the world is changing. Mm-hmm. So really marketing and networking as far as your Correct. external art is the yes. important part of that. Like I tell actors, I say, you have to, you know, you're your own product, but you have to not take the rejection as a personal thing. It's a rejection no, of that. No, not so. at all. And self-care. Yeah. Self-care is very, very important in order for marketing and networking to succeed. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, we just have about a minute left, and we want to give you both times to give a website, contact information, so they can hook up with you, you know, find about your breakfast uh, things. I know I think you <laughs> even see them on LinkedIn and things like that, but tell us all about how they can find out about you and any exhibits you have coming up. All right. Well, the, we'll try to keep it within a minute. So you can find <laughs> us on all social medias, uh, Art Next Level, Art NXT Level. That's where the educational platform, you can find me. And breakfast with Sergio in all social media platforms at Sergio Gomez Art. And breakfast with Sergio happens live twice a week, usually either Monday or Wednesday or Tuesday and Thursday. Depends what's for breakfast. Where <laughs> 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 uh, okay, can they find you? Uh, social media at Dr. Yanina Gomez, Dr. Yanina Gomez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, our website. And the website? Yes. Yeah, the website, <laughs> theartistnextlevel.com. Excellent. Or just just Google in their names and so much will pop up. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming on Art in the Air and sharing uh, your not only life story, but how you're helping artists and your own art and how you've blended psychology with helping uh, the creatives out there. Yanina and Sergio Gomez, thank you so much for coming on Art on the Air. Oh, it's been brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank so, you much so much for having us. Art in the Air listeners, do you have a suggestion for a possible guest on our show? Whether it's an artist, musician, author, gallery, theater, concert, or some other artistic endeavor that you are aware of, or a topic of interest to our listeners, email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H, dot com. You're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Radio, 89.1 FM, and on WVLP, 103.1 FM. Art in the Air is now available on WDSO 88.3 FM Chesterton on Tuesdays at 4 p.m. We are happy to welcome Marla Schofer to Art on the Air. Marla spent more than 25 years in corporate marketing when she decided to follow the winding road toward her passion of travel and exploring exotic places. Her love of discovery and shopping for the unique and unusual led her to develop partnerships with artisans in Nepal, India, Morocco, Peru, Bali, and Borneo. She works with artisans on product design and her company, The Winding Road, handles importing, shipping, and sales. Marla has the most inspiring and beautiful story to tell about what her winding road has accomplished. Thank you, Marla, for joining us on Art on the Air. Aloha and welcome. It is so good to see you again. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Well, Marla, we're excited to have you on the show. And, of course, what we always like to start off with with our guests is uh, kind of their origin story. I always like to say how you got from where you were to where you are now. So tell us all about Marla. Okay, well, I grew up in Michigan, a suburb of Detroit called West Bloomfield. And when I was young, I always wanted to be an artist. I used to paint and draw and do ceramics and was not particularly encouraged by my family to pursue that as a career. Um, But one thing I was very lucky to do is my my mother particularly really loved travel. And as a young age, 
um, when other people were going to Florida, we would come back from spring break, having gone to Morocco. Um, you know, so I, I did have quite a lot of uh, ability to see the world and also notice at a pretty young age that there were people living, for example, in Morocco, extremely poor and on the street and seeing that at a young age gave me a different type of um, view of the world. Um, I ended up fast forward a little bit. I went to Michigan State, studied advertising and moved to Chicago and worked for many years in advertising agencies on big brands like Procter & Gamble, Motorola and Hewlett Packard, and then ended up out in San Francisco um, working for Levi Strauss and Company. And I started my business called The Winding Road um, at age 50. So that was 12 years ago. Um, got laid off from a corporate job and said, you know, I'm j I just don't see going back and working for a corporate job and who's going to want to hire a 50 year old woman anyway. So I kind of woke up mo that Monday morning and I said, I know I'm going to start a business and it's going to be called The Winding Road. And I'm going to do what I love doing, which is traveling around the world and working with artisans. Uh, and bringing their goods back to the U.S. My experience was in marketing, um, you know, merchandising, design. And I had previous to that traveled a few times to, you know, India and other places where I would just bring back stuff in my backpack and open it up. And all my friends would say, wow, I've never seen anything like that before. So my happiest um, excitement in the world is walking through a market in Egypt or Turkey, you know, or Greece, and just seeing and noticing things that I've never seen before that I really want to bring back to the U.S. Um, so on one of my trips, uh, I decided to start my business by going to Nepal, where I had been the year before, and I wrote a business plan, and I, I knew I was going to bring back cashmere scarves and shawls, I knew what quantity I wanted to buy. I knew what I wanted to pay. And then I thought I would have this idea in my mind of how many I would sell. But while I was there, I walked into this tiny little 10 by 10 foot shop that this young guy with a big smile on his face was just opening for the first time with his wife. And I and he was putting things on the shelf. And I said, and I said, wow, these are really beautiful. And his goods looked different than anything else that was in the area. You know, he got a little spot on a little touristy area and his name is Madav. And I said, I can bring your things back to the U.S. I'm just starting a business and I'm going to go to the San Francisco gift fair. And if I get orders, will you be able to quickly fulfill the orders? And of course, he was very eager to do business with an American. So he said yes. And I put his goods up in the little booth at Moscone Center in San Francisco. And my first two customers were the J. Paul Getty Museum in Los Angeles and the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art, who still 12 years later are still buying from us. They're still good customers. But Madav has a very interesting story. Um, he just came to visit in, in uh, January for three weeks and it was his first trip to the U.S. He grew up in a small village outside uh, in Nepal, outside of Kathmandu, with 68 families, one school room with a dirt floor. His family were water buffalo farmers, so he was out in the field herding water buffaloes as a kid without any shoes. He never saw TV or radio until he was 15 years old. So, like, if I think about you know my background, like when I was a kid watching, uh, you know anything on TV, you know, the Galloping Gourmet or, you know, travel shows or, you know. Or actually people... traveling to Morocco when you were young. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Or Wild Kingdom. I mean, just having access to all of this. He never saw a white person and he never saw TV until he was 15. And then as a young adult, uh, teenager, you know, old teenager, young adult, moved to Kathmandu because there were no opportunities in his village. And he got a job in a T-shirt shop, learned English, interacted with um, tourists. And he had um, he had two dreams. One was he wanted to one day go to college. And two, he wanted to one day come to America. <laughs> and so uh, one day this Canadian tourist walks in and was talking to him and he's very personable and friendly. And Madav says, um, I, the guy's like, what do you want to do in life? And he goes, I want to go to college. And the guy said, well, how much does college cost? And he told him and the guy's like, well, that's not that much. I'll pay for you to go to college. So he paid for, so he got to go to college and then later he kept in touch with the guy and then he wanted to get a master's degree in public health. And this Canadian man paid for his master's degree. So he started his business. Um, I walked in, I was his first customer. And after a couple of years, I went to the New York Now, which is this big trade show in New York. We are in a showroom in the Atlanta, um, um, America's Mart in Atlanta twice a year. We have big uh, shows there. And I am now in over his goods in over a thousand retail stores across the U.S., Canada. We're regular. We are regularly shipping to Australia and all over Europe. So kind of leading up to COVID for a few years, uh, suddenly he'd say, oh, we have 30 women artisans working on your goods. And I think, wow, that's amazing because it just started out with him and his wife and like one person making things. And the artisans there in Nepal, Nepal has a, a history of extreme poverty where families who are very desperate may sell their daughters or or wives or young women into um human trafficking and the sex trade. And it's not uncommon. It can happen at the border with India. Um, People can be taken to the Middle East and being told that they're going to be domestic servants in someone's home, but it it goes beyond that. So all of these women that we employ would be at risk for human trafficking. They, a lot of them, most of them have not been to school. Um, The illiteracy rate among women in villages, rural areas, women my age, um, it's 90%. 90% of women have not been to school and cannot read and write. And sometimes, you know, if you think about you want to walk into a store and you want to see what's on a label or you get, you know, you walked on the street and you want to see what's on a street sign, you know, it's just, it makes someone, uh, a woman completely incapable of really being able to do anything if they can't yeah, Very read vulnerable. Right. Yes. So um, there Today, though, that's changing. The new generation in Nepal, you know, 80, 90 percent of kids are in school and can read and write. And and that's changing a lot because women have the opportunity to work, to contribute to their household income and then pay to send their kids to go to school because the education system, the government run education system isn't very good. So if you want your kid to go to a good school, you have to pay a, a minimal amount. It's like three hundred and fifty dollars a year, which for us isn't a lot, but for them is is quite a lot. So like leading into COVID, all of a sudden, one day I was asking him, you know, how many people are working now? And he said, we have 60 women working. And I I was just blown Mm -hmm. away that my business is supporting 60 women in Nepal. And then right before COVID, it was 160 women. And I was I was just like, wow, I can't believe I started this business and I'm employing and giving livelihood and improving the lives of 160 women. Well, during COVID, our business actually grew and and 
I just kept getting more goods. I kept paying my suppliers and a lot of other felt business. We we make handmade felt goods is what we're selling from him, like ornaments and mobiles and stuff. But um, suddenly during COVID, I guess it wasn't that sudden, we ended up hiring more and more women artisans and had, we now have 400 women artisans working on our goods in Nepal. Bravo. And a lot of it, a lot of it happened during, um, during COVID when our business really expanded quite a bit during that time. And so um, that is just in Nepal. What about what's going on in all the other countries that you work with? Well, I um, I have one big supplier in Morocco and we continued. I mean, COVID was it was a big challenge and each country had its own challenge. Um, and we continued to buy all during that time. So I have one supplier in Morocco. We get our goods in and uh, and we have them in our warehouse. Um, I have a woman down in Peru who I met when I was in Cusco. And she has an interesting story as well. Um, she had a single mother in Peru, and they were pretty poor. And when she was a child, her mother would put her out on the sidewalk with a blanket selling keychains to tourists when she was maybe five years old. And so she learned how to, you know, how to interact with tourists. She learned English. Um, she eventually did go to college, and then she had her own shop in one of the markets, and and it was merchandised really well. And I could see she had a good. I, idea for design. She was probably in her 20s when I met her. And I continued to, during COVID, buy from her and one other woman down there that mm, kind of disappeared, but we managed to find her. But a lot of the markets where you would have stalls and, and tourist trade just completely shut down. That's that's what happened in Nepal also, is that the touristy area in Kathmandu completely shut down and other suppliers, other felt suppliers that depended on tourism shut down and we ended up we were able to provide jobs for some of these women that lost their jobs during that time um we also allowed some of them you know we said it's going to be temporary in one case because i have two suppliers there and the one supplier lost a lot of business and we said hey we'll take your workers during this time and keep them working on our stuff and then when you know tourism peaks again uh comes back we'll give you your people back so that worked out pretty well. They don't work as their as competitors. They work their society kind of everyone works together. You know, they don't they don't think like after the earthquake that everyone's gonna go buy all of the baby formula and all of the toilet paper out of a store. Right. I'm gonna buy what I need and I'm gonna leave everything else so my neighbors have something. <laughs> it's a very different, different thing, but yeah. You're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Radio, 89.1 FM. And on WVLP, 103.1 FM. Yeah, I want to go back to Nepal, actually, because the winding road then has gotten to the place where you, the winding road, you sponsor children to go to school with full scholarships as well. And that's all from this tiny first visit. <laughs> like back I, um, in I, mean, I was trying to think about, um, maybe it's an American way of thinking, but... How do we make our place of employment someplace where people want to work, where people say, oh, you should go work for this this supplier because they well, what we do is we pay medical expenses to the workers uh, because there isn't Blue Cross across the country. You just can't get health insurance, but it's not that uncommon for 
workers to take response or not workers, but employers to take responsibility. So if someone says, hey, I have got a medical bill for my son or my husband or myself, we pay that. We pay bus fare into work. Um, we are paying, um, let's see, well, we are paying for some of the kids to go to school. So that's a scholarship program. And I also did for my supplier a micro loan um, where, and it was, and I, I told him, I said, you know, you're building a new, he's building a new factory and he needed like 30 or $40,000. And I said, why don't you ask me and two other, he's got two people like me in Europe that represent about 2% of his business. So I represent about 98% of his business, but I gave him a loan so that, um, he could build this new factory that is earthquake proof and it's really clean and it has bathrooms so that we wouldn't be doing production with everybody sitting on a dirt floor, which is what's very common there to start a business and people are just working outside on the dirt. So we had, so the beautiful new facility, the loan was, you know, it's just an $8,000 loan, but it was interest free. I gave him two years to pay it off and I only made him pay 7,000 instead of eight. So I gave him a thousand and I told him the 7,000 could come as a deduction from a future invoice instead of actual cash which means on the 7,000, that really only cost him about 3,000 because he was taking it off of his his uh, invoice to me, but his cost, his actual costs are about half of what the invoice is. So, you know, just trying to think about so things. So lovely. Yeah. But I mean, I think the, I think the COVID story is quite interesting because, um, you know, my business went up like, dipped a little during COVID, but the year after COVID, it was up maybe 55%. And I think what happened during COVID is um, I was at the New York Now show in February and the Atlanta gift show in January. And right when I was coming back from New York, it was on the news that there's some virus that's kind of being seen a little bit here and there in the U.S. and we should all be really concerned. And it just started being on the news every single day. And I thought, okay, I have like a huge stack of orders. I need to start packing and shipping as fast as I can because at some point the, you know, everything's going to shut down. And sure enough, one day all the stores were closed. People were canceling their orders with me. My good customers kept their orders, but other people said, well, we don't know what's going to happen. So push the date in the future by two months or three months or cancel the order. But I had goods that I put into production in Nepal and Morocco and Peru, and I know all my suppliers, and I just was committed to them. And I said, I already gave you a deposit. I'm going to send you the balance due, and we're going to figure out how to get all these goods here because there's a lot of uncertainty. But I knew that if I didn't get my goods here and I didn't have anything to sell and I didn't have a business for a year, that I would be okay but I thought for sure that some of the, that if these people didn't have jobs and they didn't have money, that they would, they could starve, they could be on the street. So I sent all the money. And then as the time came to get everything shipped, the U.S. border closed and there was a lot of uncertainty about, um, you know, what exactly that meant, because the word was all Americans have to be in back in the U.S. by this date. And we didn't know if cargo planes were going to be flying, if cargo could come in. We didn't know. So the day after the border closed, I had a oh, I forgot to say that I also do production in in Bali, in Indonesia. And I had the shipment leaving Bali and I my 
shipper there was, you know, do you want us to let to get it on a plane because the airport in Denpasar, Bali is closed and then we have to put it on a ship and get it to Jakarta. But we can do that. <laughs> okay, so I call my logistics people in Chicago and I said, okay, is O'Hare Airport open for cargo? Are they receiving cargo today? Yes, they are. We just had a big plane come in from China. Okay, is U.S. Customs open and can they clear customs? Yes, they are. So I go, let it fly. So this huge shipment, it's like $60,000 worth of handbags coming from Bali. <laughs> I can track everything by tracking the flight. I can see in real time like where the flight is. There's a way to do that. And it was going to land in Dubai. So it lands in Dubai and it disappears off the radar. It's gone. It's like $60,000 gone. And I then go, oh, I bet they closed their airport. So I Google Dubai airport. This is, mind you, while I'm in bed at two in the morning tracking my stuff Um, (laughs) and uh, found that the airport closed um, and that uh, 2,000 people were stuck in the airport because they couldn't get back to the U.S. They couldn't get back to uh, India. And then I go on to Google again, the United Arab Emirates website for the airport, and um, I see that they're going to run two cargo uh, shipment to the U.S. One is going to come to Chicago O'Hare, luckily, and my goods did get here. So just a lot of things like that, all for like a year of just, you know, everything getting stuck on ships, getting stuck on planes, getting st- stuck in the Chicago rail yards. But I did get everything here. And then when the stores could not get goods and all the shelves were empty here. People were calling me in a panic retailers. Do you have goods? And I said, yes, I do. So that's why, uh, that's why my business did well as I just managed, you know, thick or thin just to get everything here. And I, and I did. Yep. And keeping all those people employed during that time is just so wonderful. What a tremendous story. Hey, Marla, what do you do for fun? I mean, oh my gosh, it seems like this is like an overwhelming thing that you do almost all the time. But, you know, what do you kick back and say, okay, what do I want to do for fun? Well, luckily, the things that I love doing in life are all related to product development and travel. Just like artists, yes. I'm passionate about what I do and I work a lot. But yes, I I kayak and I ride bikes and and I travel, but yeah. I, I'm lucky that I figured out how to create a job for myself that just completely fires on every angle of what I love doing. So so where haven't you gone that you want to discover? Like, what is your... Because I know so much of your time is spent traveling to Nepal and Morocco and keeping all of those connections. But again, there, sort of... I, I mean, I don't really... There's no place else I want to go for sourcing because I'm... 61. And I also want to say, ladies, don't tell you that you're too old to do anything. (laughs) But um, it takes an awful lot to go somewhere, do the intelligence work of of discovering new suppliers, figuring out who's going to work and who's not. So I'm just more or less now focusing in on the one I was oh, thinking about pure pleasure. Yeah, I can't think about (laughs) I can't think about (laughs) pure pleasure at all. But there's places, I mean, I do love, I do love Indonesia. I love Bali. I love Nepal. So I love Peru. So, Do you still do any kind of consulting? I mean, that kind of is your background that you did that for a long time. Does someone say, well, how do I do my small business maybe locally? And would you uh, give them some advice on that or just plain advice? I might give plain advice, but I wouldn't take on a big project of consulting with someone because I, I don't have time to do that. <laughs> 
too complicated. It's too it's too much detail to just tell someone how you created something over 12 years of time to boil that down into an hour is pretty hard. Exactly. And uh, we kind of touched on this, but do you do anything creative yourself anymore? Or, you know, you've just concentrated on what you're doing with these folks, which is a tremendous thing that you're doing. I do. I studied photography when I lived in San Francisco and I do photography more for myself. And luckily, because I have the skills in the background, I can do a lot of my own product photography also. Very good. Well, we've got about a minute and a half left. Uh, we want to know kind of your website, uh, how to contact you. What kind of products would we see there if we went to your website and, you know, contact information? Well, my website is mostly wholesale, and my business is that I sell to retail stores. Um, my website is called Shop thewindingroad.com and there is a contact me section but for consumers you'd have to uh, maybe contact me and I can tell you what retail store it's in but we don't have a direct to consumer website and what are some examples of the retail stores you might be able to be found in real quick um well we're J. Paul Getty Museum SF MoMA in the Chicago well I live in Geneva Illinois so we're in um the Little Traveler. So it's a lot of um, fair trade stores. Yep. Very good. Well, you know, we appreciate you coming on Art in the Air. What a tremendous story you have in sharing with our audience. I mean, we really didn't have to ask any questions. We just kind of teed oh, you up and so let you go. beautiful. What a beautiful story. Uh, that's Marla Schofer, and uh, you can find her website and everything like she just gave you. Marla, thank you so much for coming on Art on the Air. Thank you. I, thank it's you. It's been a pleasure. Oh, so much so. A complete pleasure. We'd like to thank our guest this week on Art on the Air, our weekly program covering the arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. Art on the Air is heard Friday at 11 a.m. and Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP 103.1 FM, streaming live at WVLP.org, and every Sunday at 7 p.m. on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, also streaming live at LakeshorePublicRadio.org, and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard every Wednesday on Lakeshore Public Radio. Thanks to Tom Maloney, Vice President of Radio Operations for Lakeshore Public Radio, and Greg Kovach, WVLP Station Manager. Our theme music is by Billy Foster with a vocal by Renee Foster. Art in the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant through South Shore Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. We'd like to thank our current underwriters for Art in the Air on Lakeshore Public Radio, Macaulay Real Estate in Valparaiso, Olga Patrician, Senior Broker, and for WVLP, Walt Breidinger of Paragon Investments. So we may continue to bring you Art on the Air. We rely on you, our listeners and underwriters, for ongoing financial support. If you're looking to support Art on the Air, we have information on our website at breck.com AOTA, where you can find out how to become a supporter or underwriter of our program in whatever amount you are able. And like I say every week, don't give till it hurts. Give till it feels good. You'll feel so good about supporting Art on the Air. If you're interested in being a guest or sending us information about your arts, arts-related event, or exhibit, please email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com. Or contact us through our Facebook page. Your hosts were Larry Breckner and Esther Golden, and we invite you back next week for another episode of Art on the Air. Aloha, everyone. Have a splendid week. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry. Art on the
And show the world your heart Express yourself to art And show the world your heart